Hi, good morning. Um, this is Eli. I'm here in my car um, recording this podcast for you um, while I'm on my way to work. Um, I record this podcast in my car while driving to the many different jobs I keep in the Bay Area here. Um, I live in Oakland, but I work all around the Bay Area, way up north of Santa Rosa and south down into Palo Alto. Um, I do mainly glass work, a lot of glass blowing, um, and different kinds of glass crafting, um, and other kinds of fabrication, but as has been my, um, in in the past for me, the work, freelancing glassblowing work is a, um, I don't know, maybe there's other crafts that have this same kind of, like, um, mobile workers and, and in and out, but, um, this has been something I've done for the last 25 years and continues to be a um, viable uh, employment. I keep thinking I might do something else. I keep thinking maybe, um, maybe I should get a real job. But here we are. Um, enjoying what we do and learning and growing every day with the knowledge and so um, I've decided to record this podcast that's kind of about all these craft things that I I know about and I pick up and I think about and learn about um it's a big, a big part of my life is learning and thinking um, and getting, gathering all this information. It's uh, how I keep myself employable is by bringing information with me into the workplace. Um, but it's definitely. Uh, it is a labor of love. It's something I, I, um, I have to love. I have to love this stuff because otherwise it wouldn't, um, you know, it's too much, it's too much work. It's too hard of work. Uh, if I didn't enjoy it, then I wouldn't want to do it because it's, it's really tricky. Lots of early mornings and different times, starting different start times, keeping track of a very complex schedule, being flexible within the week. I, I shift my schedule often and um, move around about who is who I'm working for and what I'm doing and then I'm also available often on the weekends and nights um, on short notice 
where I'll get pulled into projects or somebody needs something and I will work late on that. I think this is the this is the trade-off for um, you know kind of having my own schedule and being able to work in lots of different situations that isn't boring and it's uh, always very interesting to do this work but the trade-off is there's not a lot of downtime I don't get to uh, I don't get to take it easy at work every day I gotta hit the ground running and it's important if I'm working in a shop just once a week it's important that that day is like it's a big day for them um, no relaxing but uh, you know I tend not to I tend to run pretty hot and pretty fast so I suppose it's a perfect situation for me no rest no rest for the crazy so um, today it's about 40, 43 degrees out and it's still it's feeling like springtime in the day but still has that kind of winter feeling in the night here it's dark out but the sun is just starting to peak peak out the sky is getting kind of kind of a dark blue purplish color and I'm about to cross the Richmond San Rafael Bridge here and head up through head up through wine country uh, the weather has been sunny and then rainy getting settled here in the Bay Area. Um, I am looking at a little studio space in San Francisco, so I might even have a studio space. Maybe I'll even be able to record a podcast from my studio space, maybe. Um, or maybe from my house at some point. I will stop moving and just record from the quiet. But um, I'll have a little studio space, so maybe I will make some new art maybe I'll just keep looking at this old art stuff I have uh, we'll see who knows it seems um, it's tricky imagining uh, making art or how to do it without actually But I thought it would be good to make the commitment to myself to have a studio space, to kind of put that pressure on myself to produce, um, and a place to at least store some of the weird projects I'm working on, and create a little space for that. So uh, I'm sure that'll be, that will keep me interested in this stuff and keep me engaging with the process. Um, 
so today I thought um, we could talk about some more complex hot glass processes. Uh, Kane and Marini are what we're going to describe today. And um, it's a pretty complex process, very, uh, very involved, very three-dimensional, um, very particular to glass blowing. So it's going to be uh, slow, slow going here, describing this so that we can get this, these processes shared with you um, accurately. So Kane and Marini are glass that has been stretched out, uh, stretched while it's hot and then cooled down and then used again um, in a kind of color application process. It's a number of different ways that you can use Kane and Marini in the hot process. And so first, to kind of define them, cane is rods of glass used in sections, usually around six inches in length. You know, somewhere four to six is a kind of common length. Um, and it depends on the process and technique that you use. But um, generally, you're going to use it in around six inch length, and it will be um, viewed from the side essentially as a stripe. Um, and that will depend also on the setup of the cane. So they're usually essentially about a pencil width, and then the size of it looks kind of like the size of a pencil. And, you know, a quarter inch to three eighths in outside diameter, and then six inch in length or so. Um, and then a marini is um, viewed in the cross section. It's cane that is viewed in the cross section, um, and oftentimes it's pull. It's a little thicker in its dimension, an outside dimension, is a little thicker, not always, um, I used, um, and it would be cut into cross sections, like imagine like the size of a coin, um, sometimes even a thick coin. Maybe it's a dime, maybe it's a quarter, but um, that you would use that cane in a cross section so that you get the pattern in the cross section. So if it, if the cane was a bit of colored glass with a bit of clear glass over it, and you stretch it out in the sideways view, it looks like a stripe. And if you cut it in a cross section, it's kind of uh, 
it becomes a dot, um, a clear with a clear circle with a color dot in the middle. Um, if you use, if you were to stretch a cane out and then bundle a bunch of those canes up together and then heat those up and stretch those again, then you could get a bunch of dots inside that marini. And then the dimension that you stretched it to, if you made it very thin, then those dots would be very small in cross-section. And if you made it, if you kept it very thick, then those dots would be a little larger in cross-section. There is a common uh, paperweight technique um, where you'll use very complex marini referred to as millifiori, thousand flowers, because they look like little fucking flowers. Uh, and so those old-timey paperweights, there's Italian and French tradition, English and American traditions of millifiori paperweights. Um, and, and they have a whole kind of world of, of paperweights, people that love those paperweights and collect those. All the different techniques that were used around those. Commemorative. Oh, commemorative paperweights. I love a commemorative paperweight. Uh, and so that cross-section, those little very intricate designs are all built you know, usually you're building it kind of in a, in a soup can size, um, you know, two and a half inches in diameter by four or five inches in length, and then you stretch that uh, into a smaller, thinner, and then cut that up into cross sections. Sometimes it's a little, you start with a little bigger than a soup can, sometimes a little smaller. That's just kind of a base reference of um, the size you might start with. So, um, cane are often just a single pole, uh, a single bit of color um, with a gather or two of clear glass over the top and then they're stretched out um, and chopped up and then used as those little stripes. Um, so if you were, and then if you were to use something like a, a white color, white is like a very traditional color to make the uh, filigrana and create these filigree patterns um, where you would use the white cane and stretch it out and make a thin white stripe and then you could make another cane with those white stripes on the outside of it and then you could twist it while you stretch it and you can make a twisty cane and you can make this uh, filigree pattern and it looks kind of like it's a kind of lace like look um, and 
there's a whole world of tradition around that, around the twisty cane and those tight little lines. And then um, with the addition of all the colors that we use now, um, there's a whole new world of kind of like colorful twisty canes and uh, new traditions springing up around colorful twisty canes. Uh, oftentimes to twist a cane, uh, you would use a, well, the, the traditional way is to twist it just by hand, two people twisting as they pull. And the newfangled way is to use a drill spin it with a drill but we'll kind of get into that I think probably describing a simple cane pole so we can start from there we can kind of build up because the the subtleties of technique around a simple cane pole is kind of how you build up to the more complex you can't really get to the more complex parts and each sequence kind of builds on the next uh, and it's part of why I love cane work um, because it is so sequential and you know it, it's very traditional I have learned from a lot of different people but each time I'm learning with a new person uh, I'm amazed at the the base knowledge that we have like when I first started learning for one person, I thought, oh, this person has, like, some, you know, they know all these, like, different tricks and stuff. And then I realized, like, this was a whole, like, catalog of information that we are each gathering. And that a lot of it, as much as their people have their own little quirks to it, a lot of it's all the same. A lot of it's, like, really exact. Like, this is the way we do this. This is the way um, that you pull the cane, this is the way that you twist the cane, this is the way that you chop it up, and a lot of it's kind of really just based on like, it's the way the material behaves, so it's kind of the easiest, it's the most efficient, it's the, you know, air quotes, right way to do it, because it is the, um, the way that the material wants to kind of, you know, fall into place. Uh, so, uh, there are certainly um, ways that you might do things differently. And I think especially with like the growth in America of all these different techniques, uh, of all these different glassblowers, and desire for subtly different looks, there is new information being added into the the library, um, but I think also in general, a lot of this stuff was figured out hundreds of years ago, and so we're just following along, um, potentially thousands of years ago, um, we're just following along with some of these techniques. So let's start with a simple cane pole. Um, if we're going to make a cane that has 
one color and it has clear around it um, we would want to get that color onto a rod a metal rod um, and then put clear around it and then stretch it out and so first getting the color onto the rod if the color is very stiff um, we're going to want to put the color right onto the metal rod usually normally what we'll do is we will color will be attached to a metal rod with clear on the end of the metal rod and you would gather on the end of the metal rod into the clear furnace and then you would use that to attach as a little handle to the clear rod often the clear rod will then be in the sorry the, the color rod will be inside of a, an oven being heated up and um, the then you'll attach to it take it out warm it up and then you've got color ball on the end of the rod with clear if you're using a very stiff color, like a stiff red, stiff yellow, stiff white. Most of those colors are stiff, but opaques, especially. Um, if you're using those stiff colors, then you're probably going to want to put it right on the end of the metal rod rather than having that clear on the end of the metal rod. Because if you have that clear, the clear is softer and that stiff color will just the clear will pull off from the metal rod and the stiff color won't stick onto the rod um, and you could end up kind of your cane pole won't go right and it might even just go completely wrong because when you try to pull it it'll just the rod will pull right out from the inside of that cane pole and pull very thin and you won't be able to pull anything at all So, um, what, let's say, let's say we're going to do a white. Let's just do a white. There's a couple different kinds of white. Um, there's, uh, a standard white that most of the color companies sell is called enamel white. And it's enamel white because it is, uh, it looks, you know, it's very dense looks like enamel um, on a metal pot it's very very dense just white and doesn't go transparent um, and is maybe it's even the same stuff you'd use in enamel in um, probably similar recipe uh, and so that color 
um, is a pretty traditional white cane. There's another level of cane and, and denser white that is referred to often as duro, D-U-R-O. Duro because it's so durable, especially when it gets tiny and thin, where you can see it when it's small. And that's where the enamel white is often just used in an overlay technique to create a white look of a vessel, but then something like duro or a more dense white is going to show up as a very thin line. And that's where the density of the color matters is when you stretch it out to cane, that it becomes visible when it's very thin. Some of the enamel whites, when you pull them, eventually they don't, they're not as visible when they're thin. And it, it depends on how thin you're pulling the cane. And if you're doing like a, a marini or, a, or a, a pull that's like a multiple pull where it's kind of thin rods and it's going to be twisted if you're doing twisted cane and you want this filigrana twisted cane look, then you're going to want something like a duro that is, looks dense when it's thin. Little looks like strings inside the glass. And so, in order to pull white cane, this very stiff color, um, you're going to want to stick that right onto a metal rod. So we'll pick that up out of the color box in the same way that we pick up any color, do a gather of clear, shape the face of that up so it's ready to pick up the color, open that box that you've got held around a thousand degrees, stick it to that color, and then pull that color out and begin to heat it. And say if I was doing a transparent purple color, uh, I probably wouldn't stick it right on the rod because that color is going to be soft enough and it's going to be its, its heating temperature and its viscosity range are going to be similar enough to the clear glass that, if not softer than the clear glass, that I don't need to have, I don't need to worry about that separation of clear between the color and the metal rod um, because the color is going to get softer first and it's going to stretch. And so I could just step up that purple rod and I can put clear over it and then I can stretch it out and it wouldn't go all weird on me. But if I were to try to do that with this white, with this duro, um, the duro when I went to stretch it, I would just pull the rod away and that clear, that little bit of clear that was between the metal rod and that dense white would become the thing that stretched first and it stretched thin and then once it starts stretching, you don't have any traction to hold on to that dense white. 
and then the dead twite is just a big lump on the floor. So um, we're picking up this white. We pick up the white, and then we heat up another rod without any glass on it, no clear on it. And then you stick the duro onto that metal rod. And I've seen that done in a couple different ways. Sometimes you're using it sparingly and you just put a little bit on the end, a little finger right off the nub end of the pipe so that you don't wrap it around the pipe. It doesn't become kind of a moil. It's just a little nugget on the end. And I've seen it also where you put a big lump of the over the whole pipe and you kind of wrap it like a moil around the pipe. Um, and then it really grabs onto the pipe. Because then you've got this, that white, that dense white is fully grabbing onto the pipe, becoming right at the center. I think I, I think that that technique actually does work a little better. It's maybe a little more wasteful of color, but if you get... The more white you stick on the pipe, the better chance you are of having it hold on and being right in the center of your cane and making your cane look right all the way from the pipe out. So, take your white, pick it up, you stick it onto a metal rod with no clear on it. I mean, maybe there's a little clear left over, but you're not, you don't have a gather on it. Stick it on there. Uh, and then shape that into a cylindrical shape. And then cool it down a little bit and gather clear over it and then when you gather the clear over it um, you want to then shift that clear away from the same when you pull it you don't want a bunch of clear out at the end between the white and The, the post. The post is the other rod we're going to use on the other side. Like We're going to take this soup can size chunk of glass and it's on one rod and then we're going to use another rod as a post and we're going to attach it and then there's going to be two rods, one attached either end and then we're going to stretch that soup can down to a pencil width. Uh, and so when we attach that soup can of glass to the post, we want to then attach the color uh, to the face. of that post so that it's not a much clearer out there that would kind of stretch out and make some color stretch. Um, so when we gather the clear glass around this center white cylinder with shape, we want to then come out of the furnace and hold the glass, 
hold the rod so the glass is pointing up in the air, maybe a 45 degree angle or so. Just for a little bit, just for a minute, just so to get that clear to kind of move back. And then we might even use a metal tool or the metal table and push on that clear and push the clear away from the tip while that center is still on the cool side we want to push that clear away um, I've seen it done in a couple different ways where maybe you even use tweezers to push it away or you would even pull the color out and then kind of break it off to the color exposed but I think the technique of just simply physically pushing on it is enough to move that clear away from the front of that white center cylinder. Um, so probably putting two gathers of clear over that. Um, is going to be the way we'll we want to set it up because we kind of want to you know with this technique we're, we're trying to get it maybe thin so if we have two layers of clear over it um, then it probably ends up with the center the center is going to be the same thickness as the distance from the center to the outside in clear. So it's almost like if it's divided into thirds, two thirds is going to be the clear on the outside, one clear, and then there's the center, white, and then there's going to be clear on the outside. If it was, if it was flat, it would be kind of equal parts. It's round, of course, but um, the wall thickness of the clear will be the same, a similar dimension as the center interior dimension. Okay, this is getting awfully confusing. I'm I'm falling asleep, just getting so confused about this. Um, I hope that you're doing all right. I hope you're following along. Um, just can be really tricky to describe this stuff. But I think we're getting that. I think we've done an okay job um, describing. Okay. Oh, we're getting to the beautiful, beautiful part of this Napa Valley, though. Um, the mountain range up here, and the sun is peeking out, and the sky is a light. Hazy blue. And imagine that. Just like that. Now the sky is bright blue. It's afternoon now. I'm driving south. I'm heading home. Um can you can you believe that? I got a telephone call on the telephone and um then I went at work. It's ten hours later now. But still thinking about cane. I was thinking about cane all day. About these little ribbons of cane. Um, left you hanging there. We got we got to get some clear. 
over this white so we gather it in the furnace um, we've got a piece of white the bar if we were using a bar of white that was one and a quarter inch diameter then it'd be about four inches long and then that would be our center and then we're going to push that back over the pipe so it'll be a little wider probably closer to inch and seven eighths inch and three quarter to inch and to two inches by then three inches or so maybe three and a half because it's got some pipe inside of it uh, and then gathering clear over that just up to the edge of the white. You don't need to gather the clear over the white. But it's okay if you do. And then we'll get two layers of clear over that. And we'll push the clear off that center. And you can do that if you go come out of the furnace with your gather and put the point the glass up in the air a little bit you know it doesn't need to be straight up and down but just get a little vertical get that glass to flow back while you're turning and then go vertical with the glass down onto the marver under the steel table and push on that and that'll push that clear off the end you could also sit down to the bench and do it horizontally with a metal tool the tag or the back of your jacks and push on that clear and just squish it out of the way so that you just kind of got the weight like a little closer there right up to the, right up to the surface and then for your second gather you're going to want to not have that face super flat because it'll catch a bubble in there so round it off a little bit gather again do the same thing squish it and then you can flatten it a little bit turn that into your soup can shape and now you just need to get that thing hot. The, and the tricky part of these pulling with the white core is that you really do need to get the heat sunk way in there. And it's hard to get it. Hard to get that core heat in there. You, gotta, you want to gather a little hotter with that white. And you want to heat the heck out of it. And then... Part of the challenge is getting it hot enough so it stretches, but not but keeping the ends cool so that your pipe doesn't get so hot. Um, on either side, so that it doesn't pull thin off the post or off the initial stick and so you want to just make sure I mean you want to heat it deep on the stick and then on the post side you're going to drop it onto the post and the trick with that is probably to cool the end of the end of your soup can 
the part that you're going to stick to the post, before you stick it to the post, you want to quench it a couple times in water. And I think using a little tray of water or some water on the floor. If you go into a bucket of water, sometimes you can get too much water. You can do that, though. You can just go in a bucket. But if you just have water on the floor in a little tray or just water splashed on the floor. Uh, water just on the concrete floor, you touch it, or even just touching the concrete floor, touching a metal table, that'll help cool it a little bit, but the water really helps. Water helps a lot. Uh, the post doesn't need to be ice cold. It should be a little cold, but not super cold. Um, and then you just stick it onto that post, and then... Well, how you can do that? You can heat it up, and somebody else makes the post for you. And you make the post by taking a gather of glass, and then excuse me. Then immediately go to the marver and go vertical with the glass down, stick up, and you push that on the marver, and you push against it so the stick is um, right up against the table and it's flat and it's kind of a, a disc it's like a plunger looking thing it's a because the glass is hot it's going to flow down and kind of puddle out a bit two to two and a half inch disc I mean depending on the size of the post and the size of the glass and all this but kind of standard like a two inch size disc on the end of your pipe and so one pipe has this two inch disc on it and the other's got the big long sausage of hot glass with the flat end and that soup can sausage is the flat end is going to be you're going to quench that a little bit in water you want to get the whole thing really hot but quench that face quench the part that's furthest away from the blowpipe you might even want to squirt a little water on the moil if it's getting a little squirrely on the pipe. And this is going to be one of those things that just takes practice getting that heat sunk in there and getting the amount of heat in there right and then how much quench on the end. Um, but generally, like the last three heats, giving it a quench at the end. doesn't need to be a crazy long quench, but just like you know, three seconds, you're sticking it in the water. Um, and then, you know, I feel like tradition always says when you bring the post over, you stick it on the ground, you stick the cane on the ground, but I don't know if you really need to do that because sometimes that can get too long. Sometimes you just want to get over there, and so one person's holding the post, and the other has the big, long sausage soup can, and you bring that over, kind of pointing it up in the air so it doesn't get too long yet, and then grab the post in your right hand and you got the soup can in your left all squirrely and hot and then you go vertical with that and stick it onto the post you can stick the post up into it you can come in kind of sideways the post and scoop it you can just stand there with the post and just nail it it's really hard to get it to stick into it on center but um, you can practice it and do it it's a real moving target move so now, you got the two things attached. You got post 
and um, the soup can on there and you immediately want to stretch it out and the idea is that you're going to stretch out you're going to make now the part that originally held the glass that should become very thin at first that's the first part and now you're going to grab the post and you're going to give the part you just had the big glass blob you're going to pass that stick to the other person to your helper and you are going to take the post side which now has all the hot glass so you're going to dump the hot glass off your stick onto the post that's that vertical move if you go up and down you dump it onto the post and then you pull the stick that had the hot glass on out and then you establish the width of your cane right then sometimes you're not quite establishing the width but you're getting quite thin you know maybe you're getting down to a half inch and it's going to stretch a little more but you kind of want to get it pretty thin on that side on the post side and then you start walking backwards slowly pulling and you are now holding the post and you're flipping that upside down and right side up and um then you're stretching from that side so that you've got you're like feeding it from the post side now and it's pretty quick it's not it's like and it should all be kind of stretching and it should be a little crazy you know I mean not crazy but like it should be it should be going fast and it should be it should be either right or wrong right away. Hopefully it's just right, right away. But if it's wrong, it'll be apparent right away also. It'll be like going weird, it'll be thin, it'll be thicker, it won't be hot enough, it'll be too hot. Or you'll have pulled too hard at first, or not hard enough at first. Those first 15 seconds when you're getting that post on there and you're establishing that dimension, that's super important. And that's something to just practice. And you can practice it with clear for a bit first, because just pulling clear rod is really good. It's always helpful to have a clear rod. But then when you get to the white or colors inside, they're going to add another dimension. Those will also complicate things, and you might have to make some mistakes. And by might, I mean will. You will have to make some mistakes. Um, so you're going to stretch that out. And then you can lay it on the ground. You can lay it, or you can put out some pieces of wood on the ground. You can use what's called a cane ladder. kind of looks like a ladder, like a shitty little ladder. It's just two pieces of wood on either side with the wood down the middle, like a ladder, but don't climb it. Uh, and then you just lay the cane on there, and then... There's a couple ways you can break it up. One way you can do is right away you can, if you touch it with a metal tweezers or a metal tool, it'll just break. And so that's again a way you can break the break the pipe in the post off that way. And then you get a long, maybe have like a 20 or 48 foot rod of glass on the ground now. And then you can just, you know, break it at four or six feet. Just grab it with a tweezer at four foot and it'll just break and then you pull that down next to the other one and then break it and then pull it down and break it and you can kind of stack them up that way and like get them 
shuffled down because it's hard. It's gonna break. It's hard to like cut it into small pieces, and you don't save too much by leaving it one huge long and then breaking it down to small pieces. Um, you got some sorting to do. You'll have some parts that'll be weird. You got some loss. Um, with Kane, it's kind of like you just do a lot of it, and then you have a lot, and there's always a bit extra weird parts, and you can kind of sort through things to find exactly what you need. Especially when you're mixing in colors, because that was just one. That was just white and clear. But often you might be doing something with white and a color on top, uh, and then you're making something that's a little more, what you might call magical. So now you got some canes, and then if you wanted to make some marini. You could take those canes and bundle those back up into a kind of soup can size, six inch pieces, and bundle those up into a soup can size, put some wire around those, and then pick those back up in the box. Um, and make that into one squished down unit and then stretch that again and then you can cut that cross section so now you're going to have a bunch of little polka dots inside of a little, like it's like a coin with white polka dots on it um, and that might be that might be really desirable that might be something really cool you know another thing that you could do with Marini that's like a more exciting thing than just polka dots is you could do like letters or you could do shapes um, and there's a couple different ways you can do that you can just kind of sculpt your letters and make it that way or um, if you wanted to say make like a moose um, silhouette like a black moose with a white background then you could potentially sculpt the moose in the sideways, which would be pretty hard to do. But another way you might do this is you could cast that moose um, in the oven in a kiln casting process using a plaster mold. And you could almost like a puzzle like imagine you want to make a tiny little moose so first you're going to make a moose that's like three inches tall and it's just the outline of the moose and it is as if it's a two-dimensional picture but it's actually three inches tall so it's a three or four inch you know dimension drawing of the moose you know outline silhouette of the moose and then it's also three inches tall and you would make that like in wax maybe and then put that in plaster and melt the wax out and then you would fill the plaster with a black color of glass and then you would make the outline then you would make the, 
you know, if you wanted to make that a square marini, you would make the rest of that, the outline of that, the negative space in white, and so you would end up with this kind of like brick almost, you know, let's say a five inch by five inch brick that is like a silhouette of a moose made of almost like puzzle pieces where it all kind of like interlocking pieces that slide over and into each other and then when you look at the top the cross-section view it's moose with a white background and it's three inches thick um, and then you heat that up in an oven and pick that up together you maybe heat it and fuse it in an oven and then you pick that up and stretch it out stretch it right out um, so that's a way that you can make some marini another way that you can make the marini patterns is by using you know like we we're talking about using the white polka dots you could also just get pure color rod that doesn't have clear on it, just color rod. And you could design a picture with thick or thin pieces. And you could use very thin pieces and essentially kind of draw a drawing pixel by pixel with colored glass and lay that all out and stack it up and make a. Um, make that drawing, make that illustration just by dividing your drawing up into a bunch of pixels and making all those pixels in colored glass, which might be, you know, 200 or 600 pieces of tiny little cane all stuck together. And then you heat that up and then you stretch that out. And then you have a very small version of that drawing, um, and so it's kind of the same the same way of heating, stretching those. It's just so it's like with Marini, especially with the amount of labor that you can put into the front end of that, that final stretch can be uh, very stressful because you're kind of uh, you have all this work that's gone into it. And then you, uh, you got to do it just right. When you're doing Marini, sometimes you'll stretch it vertically. Um, you have the pipe go up, and then um, then you can like have the pipe on a pulley, or have somebody hold the pipe and go up in the air with it, um, and then kind of break it down because the marini generally you're not um, you're not pulling as thin you're pulling a little thicker and so it's not as long with the marini balls oh boy this stuff is so boring man jeez I can't believe you're listening to this this is crazy who listens to this stuff this is crazy. Um, 
Well, thank you for listening. I'm really proud of you for making it this far. I can't believe I've made it this far into Kane and Marie. Um, I feel like there's a lot more details, but it's, you know, I think we can get into another, like, into further into the peculiarities of color and specific patterns, um, different color techniques, like veiled cane, where you put the color away on the outside, multiple color canes, twisty cane with multiple colors, or different kind of center patterns. Round plunger pickups of cane of Marini or different patterns, the plates, the fusing plates of cane and Marini, uh, combining it with flat glass. Then there's the way to roll it up, whether you're rolling it up on a collar or a bubble, and what you're doing from there where there's marini and you got a zipper that you need to zip together or it's canes that go together flat or if it's canes that go together and you need to twist it if you're doing a reticello and you need to twist it and stuff it and then twist it and stuff it the other way um, oh foicello like ways to fake the reticello pattern uh, I know a couple of those tricks. So, obviously, there's some more to talk about here in Kane and Marini, and I think we've just kind of grazed the surface here. And uh, we're an hour in, you know. You've had about enough of that. You probably have to go to work, too. Uh, i got to go home, make supper, and make some plans for some more glass blowing this week. Lots of exciting projects. Um, I have to bring you up to speed here. All the exciting projects. Well, you know, thanks for listening. I'm glad that we're here together, all four of us, uh, and that you've been enjoying this. And I look forward to talking to you some more um so this is the end of message love you lots bye for now